listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. Yeah. Peace. Peace. Jesus. That's my creed. Michael B. You can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1 if you'd like to, although we will be reading more verses out of Matthew 24. So you can choose which place you'd like to go, our, our sort of base text or the text that we're going to be looking at the most. Um, and, and just so you know, starting next week, it's going to be a little easier to find your place in the Bible because we're going to do a sermon series looking at the life of Jacob. And so that's only really contained in one spot in the Bible. So we're going to be going to Genesis over and over and over again. But for this week, you can go to Acts chapter 1 or Matthew 24. And the reason why next week we're going to start looking at the life of Jacob is because this week we are finishing up our series on our DNA as a Foursquare church. We're bringing this series to a close. If you don't know, we are a Foursquare church for part of the Foursquare Gospel Church of Canada and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. The Foursquare Church was, was a, 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 we call it a movement, but it's a denomination that was started in the late 1900s in Los Angeles, California, by a Canadian woman, actually. Her name was Amy Semple McPherson. And so she began preaching on the street and began sharing the gospel with people and began to build a church and then began to build a denomination. And we are an offshoot of that, that, that we come from that place. And so we're, we took the last few weeks to talk about what it means to be a four-square church and looked at the four pillars of a four-square church. And the symbols are on the back wall there, but we've walked through what it means that Jesus Christ is our Savior. What it means, we've spent two weeks looking at what it means that Jesus Christ is, our, is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. And last week we looked at Jesus Christ, the healer. And this week we're going to take a look at the final square, the last square of the four square gospel, the purple square with a crown, Jesus Christ, the soon and coming King. We're going to look at what it means for us that Jesus Christ is coming back and coming back soon. And specifically what it means for you and I and our relationship with Jesus and with the world around us that Jesus is coming back. Because the, the, the idea and the understanding that Jesus is coming back should be incredibly influential in our lives. It should be a deep and important motivator in the way that we live. Now, something that has come out of this time of, of COVID and global pandemics and, and elections and all the things that are going on is that people are, are really wondering, is this it? Is, is, this, is, 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 this, what, is this it? Are we living now in the last, not just the last time, but, but the last time? Is, is, this, is this it? Is this when Jesus is coming back? Are we in the last days? Now, this question has been a question that Christians have wrestled with for decades, for years, for centuries, and, and really since the day Jesus left. When is he coming back? If, if you're old enough, you may be able to remember that, that there were 88 reasons why Jesus was coming back in 1988. 
And the same guy wrote another book about the rapture report that Jesus was coming back in 1989. And then he did write another book in 1993 called 23 Reasons Why a Pre-Tribulation Rapture Looks Like It'll Occur on Rosh Hashanah in 1993. And then he did write another book in 1994. And this one was called, And Now the Earth's Destruction by Fire, Nuclear Bomb Fire, and it was a prediction of Jesus coming back in 1994. Some of you may remember a few years ago in 2011, there was a widespread prophecy from a man named Harold Camping that Jesus was coming back May 21st, 2011. And he said, the Bible guarantees it. And he got billboards all across the United States to let people know that Jesus was coming back on this day, so be ready. Now, I, I don't share these with you to sort of like mock these people that, hey, how they believe Jesus was coming back. But I share these with you to, to, to show and to demonstrate that we as, as Christians have lived inside of this tension. We've always been trying to understand what it means that Jesus is coming back and when is Jesus coming back and always believing that we are in fact in the last days, whatever that meant for them. And it's something that we see even in the New Testament. The writers say that the day of Jesus' return is soon. Hebrews will charge Christians in, in, the, in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. I'll say, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one, one another all the more as you see the day approaching. But by this, he, he does not just mean as, as often misunderstood that we need to get more serious about our Christian walk and our Christian faith and because sometime in the soup or in the future when you see the signs begin to appear what he means is that he's writing to his readers and saying you're already living in this time the signs of the end aren't off in the future they're happening now all the more now because they already see the day drawing near Paul writes to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he writes, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And the times of difficulty he's referring to are not in theory. He, he's bringing, he, he's talking to Timothy about where he is now. He's talking to Timothy, he's saying, in effect, don't be surprised that things are tough right now. Don't be surprised that, that things are difficult. We're in the last days. You're living in the last days. James says plainly or painly and unmistakably in James chapter 5, verse 8. Or 1 Peter 4. Oh, I missed that one. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is at hand. And James says in James 5, verse 8, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Jesus' return is near. That's what James and Peter and Hebrews and Paul believed. And it's the place that, this church, or that, our, that the church, our church, the church as a whole, has lived in for the last 2,000 years. Now, this morning, I'm not going to stand up here and try and decide or decode or decipher all of the prophecies in the Bible and give you a time and a date. I'm not here to say that God has shown me when he's coming back. Although, when I was a kid, 
I used to think I was pretty smart. And I had figured out a way to outsmart God. Because God says, well, no one will know the time of the day. You can't guess it. You'll never know. It'll be unexpected. And I thought I could be really clever and I could say something like, I predict that God is going to come any other day except for August 18th, 2020. So then if he doesn't come back today, I was right. I, 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 it was any other day besides today. So as long as he doesn't come back today, then I'm right. I figured it out. I outsmarted God and everything that he had said. Not the most accurate of predictions. But here's the reality for me. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. Yes, he is. Is it soon? Maybe. What, what do we mean by soon? What does soon mean? Does soon mean by 3 o'clock this afternoon? Does soon mean in the next 10 years, the next 50 years, the next 100 years? We, we don't know. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. Is Jesus coming back soon? Maybe. But what I want to talk to you, talk to us about this morning, is not... Well, the Bible gives these prophecies, and so if we think that this is this and this is that, then this must mean this. But what I want to talk to you, or what I want to share with you this morning, is at least start with a passage that has nothing to do with Jesus' return. But at the same time has absolutely everything to do with how we're to handle the time that we're in right now. How we're to handle this season where Jesus has ascended into heaven... And has not yet returned. And it's found in Acts chapter 1. We, we've spent some time in Acts chapter 1 in this series. A few different times we've turned there. And, and we've seen, looked at, and we've looked at many of the things that, that are said in Acts chapter 1. And we see that Jesus gives the, the disciples the promise of the Holy Spirit in, in verse 8 when he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then we read this in verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before them, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken up or taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven." The disciples watch Jesus ascend back into heaven and, and they are standing there staring up into the sky until essentially scripture says they, they can't see him anymore. And they just stand there staring up into the sky trying to process and understand and take in everything that they've just watched happen in this moment in the last few days, in the last few years. That all, all of this stuff, they're, they're just trying to understand what's happening. When it says that two men dressed in white appear with them and they ask them a question that I think points us to our first understanding of our time, our first priority, our first point for today. They ask the disciples, why are you standing here staring up into the sky? And that, that's a question that I would like to pose to, to us today. Are we just standing 
here staring up into the sky. Or, or more than a question, perhaps a challenge. Don't be someone who's just standing there staring up into the sky. I think so often we as Christians can be guilty of this. And I'll, I'll talk about more what that means if you're like, I don't get it. We can be guilty of this when it comes to Jesus and his return. We can be guilty of staring up into the sky looking for something. Staring up in the sky and just trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. I shared with you all the books and prophecies that people have had when it comes to Jesus coming back. I'm in a, in a Facebook group for, for Christian dads and there's this guy in there who thinks he's figured it all out and this is who Russia is and this is who the U.S. is and this is who Israel is and he's trying to interpret all of these passages from the Bible and he posts like 8,000 word posts every couple of days and he's trying to figure it out and my contention is he's just staring up into the sky. We can devote so much time to try and figure out and understand who is what and what exactly this verse could mean for now and exactly how this person is the Antichrist or how this action or this treaty or how this other thing fulfills this verse or this prophecy. But for me, it's just staring up into the sky. We don't know. We can guess. We think we know. But we're just guessing but I really believe in what Jesus had to say about his second coming and when it comes to our understanding of all of this. In Matthew 24, Jesus begins to speak about his second coming. And he tells everyone that life will just be carrying on as normal. Just like what happened for the people in Noah's time before the flood. He says in verse 37 of Matthew 24, as it was in the day of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up until the day Noah entered the ark. Jesus is saying life was just happening. People, they were eating and drinking. They weren't worried. They weren't stressed. They weren't seeing something off in the distance. They were just doing life. Nothing was different up until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with, or grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. And then Jesus tells us what we can know about when this will happen. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. I don't know about you, but I don't get the impression from these passages that it's going to be like New Year's Eve. That as Christians, we're going to be gathered together going, five, four, three, two, one. Here I am, Jesus that, that, that this isn't the impression that Jesus gives. He doesn't say, if you look closely, you'll figure it out. He says, life is going to be just what life is. You're going to be at work, and suddenly, hopefully, not for you that the person you work with is going to be gone, and hopefully not for the person you work with, you're going to be gone, that you'll be gone together, but, but 
life is just going to be happening. And just before these verses that we read in verse 36, I didn't want to start with this verse because it kind of spoils the ending, but Jesus really does double down with this when he says, but, no, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And then Jesus also gives us this. He triples down in verse 44 when he says, so you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So friends, I, I take Jesus at his word. That there's not some divine scavenger hunt to be found in the pages of Scripture that we can decode what the Bible says and, and figure all of this out. We won't know. We, we can spend time doing that, but I don't want us to get caught up staring into the sky. Now, we're going to talk about what it means for us to be ready. As Jesus says here, you also must be ready in just a moment. But I want to highlight the second, second part of this verse. When is Jesus coming back? When, when we don't, or when we least expect it. See, I think we get too caught up sometimes in trying to understand the second coming of Jesus. Jesus Christ, our soon and coming King. And we expend our energies as believers trying to figure out when and where and what this means and what could this represent. And we actually become distracted. We actually end up staring into the sky trying to figure this out. Our concern with the second coming of Jesus becomes merely about the second coming of Jesus and we end up staring off into the sky. Now the men who spoke with the disciples also said something, to the, something more to the disciples when they said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The other thing that they remind them is, why are you staring into the sky? But then they give them this reminder, Jesus is coming back. Don't, don't, just stare off into the sky. Remember, Jesus is coming back. And, and this, for me, is the true importance of the fourth square. It's the true importance of understanding this. Jesus is coming back. And we need to live our lives with a real knowledge that Jesus is coming back. Jesus says, be ready because I'm going to come back. And in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus continues on talking about his second coming, and, and he tells those who are listening that he's coming back, and he says, be ready. But then he shares with them sort of a parable to share with him his expectations of what, for us, it looks like to be ready. In verse 45, Jesus says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper, proper time. Essentially what he's saying is, is who then is, is the servant who's doing the job? The servant who's been given a task, who's doing that job? It will be good for him that, that the servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. So who is the servant that's been tasked with something to do? It would be good for that servant when his master returns to find him doing what he's supposed to do. 
to, to find him giving the food that he's supposed to be giving to those he's supposed to give it to. And then after this, or verse 47, truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. So who is this good and faithful servant? It's the one who's doing what they're supposed to do. Now, the next few verses after this, Jesus speaks about what will happen to the servants who are not doing what they're supposed to do. And we're not going to read through them this morning, but if you want to glance at them, it's not pretty. It's, it's a pretty aggressively difficult metaphor to understand. What, when, when Jesus says this is what God's going to do to the people who aren't doing what they're supposed to do. So... What does it mean for us to live like Jesus is coming back? What does it mean for us to, to remember that Jesus is returning and, and have that affect us? What is it that our master has told us to do? What are we supposed to be doing? For that, you can turn a couple pages over from Matthew 24 to Matthew 28 to verse 18, where it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he gives them this promise. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Or we can look at the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before they were staring up into the sky when he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the age, to the ends of the earth. There's a copy and paste mistake there. Um, what does it mean to live like Jesus is coming back? What does it mean to do the things that we have been tasked to do? What, what has our master charged us to do? We need to share the gospel, to be his witnesses, to make disciples, to fulfill the great commission. The work our master has called us to do is to spread the gospel, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Jesus, the soon and coming king, means that he's coming back and we need to be ready. We need our family to be ready. We need our co-workers to be ready. We, we need our neighbors to be ready. We need our strangers in our life to be ready. Because when he comes back, and it could be at any time, Jesus says it's when you're least expecting it, we need to be ready. So let's not be a people who spend our time staring up into heaven staring up into the sky, that think that somehow by staring up into the sky, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Let's not be fooled into thinking that, but instead, let's do what our master has called us to do. Let's, let's with the knowledge that our master is returning, be found doing what we are supposed to do. So here's my question for you this morning. Here's what I want to leave you with today. What areas of your life need to be lived differently because Jesus is coming back? What areas are you living like the master isn't coming back? In fact, in Matthew 24, when Jesus will talk about the foolish servants, the ones who weren't good, he will say that, that, that at the heart of the issue for these servants is that they lived like the master wasn't coming back. So what for us, what for you, needs to change in your life because 
Jesus is coming back. Something that God showed me in my life a few years ago is that while you may not be called to lead a particular person to the Lord, you, you may not be the one to lead an individual to the Lord, but that doesn't mean you don't have a role to play in their life. At the very, very least, your role in their life with everyone you come in contact with, at a minimum, you may not be the one to lead them to the Lord, but at least don't ruin it for the person who's called to lead them to the Lord. Don't leave them with an impression of Christians that's so low that when somebody else comes to share the gospel with them, they're not saying, I met a Christian. And I want nothing to do with that. I met someone who told me they, about Jesus and they were an awful person. At the very least, we need to live that way. So what areas in our life do we need to change knowing that our master's coming back? Is it your Facebook account and the way that you relate to people online? Is it the way that you see your pro and view political affiliations? Is it the way that you see or treat your, your, or speak to the server when you go out for lunch after church? The way you handle people you oversee or the people who oversee you at work? The way you treat your spouse when, when you think no one else is looking, when you think no one else is there. We may not be called to lead them to the Lord. You may not be called to be the one to lead your server to the Lord at lunch today. But at a very minimum, help it a little bit. Don't push them away from God because they know you came in a little bit dressed up and so they know you're coming from church. And then they say, oh, the church people, I hate it when the church people come for lunch. We need to not live like that. Is Jesus coming back? Yes. Is he coming back soon? I, I, don't, I don't know. But the Bible ends like this. The last verses of the last book of the Bible of Revelation say this. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come soon, Lord Jesus. I don't want to live in the shallow. Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at csairdrie. And on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. 
We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together as family we go. There's no life without you in it. I want all of you take all of me. I want all of you take all of me. me. Mm-hmm. 